I borrowed these from Rom. Uh, who knows what these are? Armbands. Okay. We'll Water wings. There we go. Sorry, that was the Bible. If we were religious, like some people would be offended, but don't worry, it's just paper. That's what's inside that matters. I won't do that to my Bible, though. Cool. So we have a, a massive value in this church, and I think it's as we grow and as God has been multiplying us as a community, our heart is not so you guys become attenders, but just become, you become a disciple of Jesus. And a disciple is, is not a verb. It's not about what you do, although it does involve what you do. It's a noun. It's who you are. Is that correct, Johnny? You're English. Okay, don't worry. English, your English is not great, but even though you are English. Okay, anyway. So we've got a, I've just got a one-off message that I really feel God has laid on my heart over the past few weeks. And uh, it's, for me, I think, I think if you can look at what we want to try achieve as a local church and what we want to try encompass as writing the future, our big vision of what it is, it's, it hasn't deviated from what Jesus asked us to do. And that is to make disciples that make disciples. So, so that some of that language may not mean anything to you, especially those if it's your first time in church, you're like, what the heck is that? Does not mean we have to be more disciplined? What does it mean? And I'm going to try to explain today very simply what it means to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it changes us. We thank you, God, that you, that you open up our hearts uh, today and, and you would just speak clearly to us. Lord God, even the words that I speak, let it be your words that come and impact people's lives and hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So these are called water wings, armbands. Who's used these in their life at some point? As kids, I remember my mom squeezing it onto my arms because um, I always had big arms. And it was, sorry, I thought that joke would actually go down way better. Um, but I was a skinny little kid. And um, my mom used to put these on and it was one of those things where we'd go on holiday and she'd be like, as long as the Binkley belt, who had a Binkley belt? Okay, I think that's a very South African thing. It was horrible. It was like these little cones that went around you, and the guys and the girls used to wear it. It was, it was horrible. It just made you just kind of float and buoyant. These were a lot better because you can kind of... You, my, my mom would leave me. We used to go to a caravan park. We, who's caravan... Who grew up at caravan parks? Amazing. Didn't grow up in a caravan park, but uh, lived, went to caravan parks. Um, I think Clint grew up in a caravan park. Oh, joking, bro. Um, but we used to go there. My mom used to leave me with these armbands. And I never used to go much further than the shallow end. Because that's, you, as a kid, you, you, you're a little bit afraid. And, and I remember we had a pool in South Africa. It, it wasn't uncommon for people to have pools in their backyard. For here, it's an absolute luxury. It's only if you live in Emirates Hills or uh, one of the massive villas in Arabian ranches that you get a pool in your back garden. But in South Africa, it was standard. And we used, to, we used to spend our summers and sometimes even into winters in the pool, hanging out, and we had these armbands. And the goal for my mom, my mom was a good swimmer when she was younger, and she started teaching me how to swim quite young, so I was, I was swimming at about three, four years old, was not for me to stay in the shallow end with these armbands. Imagine, okay, so this is the first picture I want to show. Can we show the, the kid with the armbands? That's what it generally looked like, and you'd just be like, you're learning what it feels like to be in water. 
And, um, but that is not God's goal for us. He's not, our goal is not to look like this. Next photo. Okay. Where you are an adult and you still have to wear your armband, you can take that off. It might be distracting to some people. Um, God's plan for us, and I had a phrase this week in preparing for this, is that God wants to take you out of the shallows and into the deep end. And that for me is so important for us as believers that we don't get stunted in our growth. Now I've met so many people that have been followers of Jesus for a very, very long time, but they're still on milk as the Bible talks about. And Jesus says, well, God says in his word, you have to go past milk into solid meat. There's, there's, there comes a point where you have to step over the edge, take off one armband, take off your Bentley belt, and start to step into more that God has for you. So it may start, you go into the shallow end, then you go knee deep, eventually in the deep end, and you're swimming, and then you become like Phil, who swam 23 kilometers. Let's just cheer for him. That is, he, he was, you, you swam for South Africa, am I right? He was an incredible swimmer, still is. Uh, well, <laughs> and um, God's plan for us is not only that we go to the deep end, but we teach other people how to go to the deep end. The goal of every believer is not for you to be propped up by these for the rest of your life. And what is being propped up? It's you come to church and you're feeling a little bit down, so you let everyone know that you've had a bad day and you haven't dealt with your heart and with your attitude before you walk in the door, before you walk into situations. And I think there's, there's a maturity that God wants to bring to us as a, as a people. A little prayer said by the pastor up front is not going to change your situation. It's not going to make you become a more of a disciple of Jesus. It's just going to put a little plaster on a big wound that God actually wants to fix. And God wants to transform you from A to Z and A to B, whatever you want to call it. He, wants to, he, he, he constantly wants to see change inside of our hearts. And he doesn't want, when you're 35 years old as a, as a believer, you're still struggling over little things. Now, he's not calling us to perfection because no one's perfect. And if you are, then I'd love to chat to you. Um, Another sign is when your, arm, your, your armbands get deflated, because they will get deflated. Someone's offended me, now I'm leaving this church. We've had that a few times. There could be other things in your life that prop you up instead of Jesus. It could be addictions. It could be holding on to things. It could be sometimes family. It could be uh, holding on to your past, holding on to things that you've put in the place of Jesus. And when Jesus called his disciples, it was never... It was never me plus that. It was all for Jesus. And that is my heart, and that's why we have community groups, and that's why we have different things. We're going to do this Tuesday training, with, which Andy's overseeing over the next three Tuesdays about the spiritual gifts. It's so we can mature as believers into the next level that God has for us. The model of church that we want is not Dan and you watch. It's you are involved. And you are carrying whatever God has inside of you. And some of you might be standing up here teaching and, and preaching. And some of you may be in the background serving and, and, and doing the parking. Let's just hear it for Dave. What a champion. He did the park. God's plan is that we go past armbands into the deep water. Some of the other things that, that may cause us to sink, we look at God and God, you never came through for me. And that's very real. But we have to have a maturity, and I love what Tony spoke about last week. We just have to get up. If stuff happens in your life, we just have to get up. 
We can all tell stories in this room of how we've, we, we trusted in God and we feel like he's failed us. Let's just be honest for a second. We can be in church. And there's been moments where we've trusted him and you think, God, God's never failed you. He'll never fail. He's working in your situation to make something greater inside of you. And I love that scripture. I think it's, it's in Genesis and it says, it, uh, uh, Joseph is talking to his brothers and he says, you intended for harm, but God intended that thing for good. There's stuff we're going to walk through in our lives where God is saying, I'm going to watch how you react to that. I'm going to watch how you do this. I'm going to see if you just keep moving forward. And I found, honestly, the only thing sometimes that gets you through tough moments is keep moving forward. Don't throw your hands up. Because in that moment, God is he's taking you and he's going to use that as a gift for other people. He's molding you. So let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 4.19. Matthew 4.19. We're not going to read chunks of scripture today. Today is incredibly simple. And I feel like this is a vision and a foundational message for, for many of us. 4.19. And he said to them, Jesus calling them, he says, follow me, say follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus, was, he called his disciples out of, out of a place of obscurity, out of nothingness, and he's saying, listen, I'm going to take you he says, follow me. So we're going to split into three parts, which I'll explain as we go. But it's follow me, which is a theological, which is you understanding who God is. It's obedience. Follow me. And then Jesus says, and I will make you the middle part. And I will make you, which means he transforms us, he changes us, fishers of men. So he's talking to fishermen who used to fish for fish. He uses their context and says, listen, if you follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. As you go out and catch fish, you're going to catch men for the kingdom of God. And if we look, Jesus was almost prophesying and he looks into the future and he sees Peter getting up after the day of Pentecost and he preaches and 3,000 were saved because of his preaching. He became a fisher of men. And I honestly believe that God, whatever happens in our lives, he's going to say, follow me. I'm going to mold you so you can do more. Follow me. I'm going to mold you so you can do more. Not for the sake of doing more, but because the kingdom of God is advancing. And God is always looking at us and saying, I want to partner with man. I want to partner with us. And I want to see the kingdom of God come to the earth. So, number one, very simple. Follow me. And that you can put a little undertitle there is that we need to learn to be with Jesus. His disciples, when they followed him, didn't get a a theological uh, uh, dissertation, is that even the right word, of of why they should follow Jesus. Jesus goes, cool, follow me. And I want to give you a bit of context and an understanding and giving you into almost the mind of of a young Jewish believer. Most of the commentators, like Tony said last week, the the disciples were about between 16 and 20 years old. So these were young guys that maybe just come out of the schooling system of the day. And, uh, and I want to explain a little bit about that. It happens in three parts. And this is going to change your life. Okay. Beit Sefer. Can everyone say Beit Sefer? Okay. That means nothing to you right now, but I want to explain it to you. That is kids from the age of six years old. Who's got a six-year-old, six, seven-year-old? Six to ten. Where they go and they sit with a rabbi 
And the rabbi has a, a set of teaching, which they call the yoke. So when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, it's not only illustrating that we, we pioneer and we work together with God, but he's also saying, I have a set of teaching that is easier than the teachers of the day. If you learn how to follow me, it's actually easy and light, and I'll lead you into life. Cool. Bit of insight into that. Beit Sefer. And they used to teach the kids, and they used to repeat the psalm over and over. And I've said some of these things before, and I'm shamelessly copying and borrowing from a guy called John Markoma, a friend of mine that I connected with recently called Chris. And, and so these are a couple of things that I'm just kind of bringing together, and, uh, and I'm just stealing the best bits of what they do and bring it to you guys, if that's cool. And they used to put... The rabbis used to put honey on the tongues of these young boys and say, how sweet your words are to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And what they were trying to teach them is that no matter what happens in life, is that the word of God is the highest authority. The word of, the word of God is the sweetest tasting thing. And these guys used to start memorizing scripture from the age of six to 10 called Beit Sefer. And then the second thing is Beit Talmud. Ages from 10 to 14. And this, that is, Beit Talmud is just a house of learning. And the best students would memorize the, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, the, the teacher used to be able to throw out like Deuteronomy 20 verse 4. And they'd be able to say the, the scripture after that and before that. These guys were young. And I believe, I mean, I'm, I have a little bit of a theory behind why in gen- the, the Jewish people are so blessed and such good mathematicians and bankers and incredibly successful, successful businessmen is because from a young age they were just they were learning and relearning and there's something there's something about learning and relearning that that I think we've maybe missed in our culture the repetitiveness Paul writes and he says I do not have any issue saying this to you again because it's for your benefit. And I may have taught this before, but let's, let, let this thing sink into our hearts. And these, these young kids, 10 to 14 years old, used to be able to, to, to memorize the whole of the, the Old Testament. And I don't know if, if anyone's ever been to the Holy Land. They'd, be like, they'd have a scroll and they'd like turn the scroll like this and be able to read through the different parts of the scroll. Amazing. What would happen after that, and this is, um, this is when they, become, they follow the Talmudin or they become a, d- a disciple, it's the kind of the, the translation around that, is that um, the best of the best students would be called out. And say Rom, which I know did really well at school, he would say, cool, Rom, you have been called by rabbi, and now you're going to follow the rabbi. And wherever the rabbi went, he would go from village to village, teaching his yoke, his set of understanding scripture. The amazing thing about the Jewish understanding is that it wasn't just, it was once, it was an overall one set way, but they used to debate a lot. And that was part of the culture. And I feel like that's sometimes healthy for us. It's good that we learn, but we must ask questions. We must, we must engage our minds and our hearts in, in Jesus. So I'd invite Rom, say I'm Rabbi Dan, and I'd invite Rom, I'd say, come follow me. I would, there was a Hebrew word that I would shout out to him, and he would follow me. And the way it would work is that the, the people, he would leave his home, he would leave Nushi, he would leave the kids, and Nushi's going, no, please don't let that happen. Uh, I, need, I, need, I need my luxuries. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, um, and uh, so he would come follow me. And um, he followed me so closely that they, there was a saying that people used to say, you'd be caught in the dust of the feet of, the, of your rabbi. And I feel like that's such a clear picture of how we're meant to follow Jesus. We need to follow him like we're so close to him that we get caught in the dust of who he is. Now, here's the thing. None of us, I wasn't great at school. I, was, I would say I was an average student until, until I touched maths. 
and then I was a horrible student, and I'd blame it on the teacher, but it just is what it is. You know what I mean? We all can all blame the teacher. I had a bad pencil, whatever it was. I wasn't great at maths. The grace part is this, is that Jesus comes to fishermen. Now, those who were fishermen in their father's trade were the ones who were rejected by society. Sorry, they were rejected by the religious of the day. And they would be the ones that, cool, well, you, you, that's great, you just need to go home, make babies, populate Israel, and make money off your father's trade. You were, you were not accepted into this elite crew of the rabbi and the, the, the Talmudin. And uh, who's, who's played sports at school and been the last to be chosen? I'm going to put my hand up. Bruce, I knew definitely before you even put your hand up that it was going to be you. <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> Sorry. I was, um, I think people would initially cho- choose me because I was a little bit bigger than some of the kids. And then when they saw me play, they'd be like, okay, we're not going to choose you first again. And that's how I became goalkeeper because I had long arms. And, um, and, uh, but the point is that these guys lived in a sense with this thing hanging over us. We can never go into ministry because we are rejected by this, the religious society of the day. Who does Jesus go and call? He goes and calls those rejected people. He calls the fishermen. He calls the tax collector who not only may have been rejected from the religious group, but now they're even rejected by Israel because he's actually a traitor to Israel. He had uh, the zealot which who was against the, 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 the established government of the day. He was in, in some ways a bit of a terrorist. He would go and just, they're called the Sicarii, and they used to go and just like stab Roman soldiers. It was, so he chose that guy. And I, for me, the picture is that, is that these, and we all know Peter, I mean, he, even after three years of being with Jesus, he still whipped out his sword and chopped off a guy's ear. You know, like, he chose people like you and me. And he says, come, follow me. And I, I love that picture of who God is. That is the grace of Jesus Christ. He doesn't look at, oh, look at your schooling, look at your pedigree, look at what you grew up in. In uh, parts of South Africa, it's very, you, you'll talk to people, especially in Natal, and they come and say, what school did you go to? And you're like, I, for me, I was like, I just went to a normal public school. And then they were like, oh, I went to Hilton. I went to my class. And those are very kind of colonial, rich schools. And immediately, it gives you a bit of a status. And I, I think Jesus always chooses those who are the most unlikely. He chose David, the most unlikely one. He chose him. He was forgotten by his father. He said the wording there is that he's almost the runt of the family. And God comes and he says, I see your heart and I'm going to choose you. And that is how God works. And he always has worked. I'm not saying that God won't call those who are high in business and from wealthy families. God calls everyone. But the point is this. God does not look at what you were before you were saved in order for you to follow him. He wants you to just say, put my hand up. And he wants you to just surrender to him. And can I tell you, it's not even so much about when you follow him, I'm going to get this right. I better not sin. Oh, messed up. You're putting your faith in yourself and not in the finished work of Jesus Christ who dealt with your sin who dealt with everything, who dealt with all your rubbish that you can throw on him because he has taken it 2,000 years ago on the cross. I love this. Acts 4 4 verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. That is how simple it is. If we want to follow Jesus... And we want to change the world and people will be astounded at what you've done. You just need to learn how to be with Jesus. And can I tell you this? 
I grew up in a family where, I know my parents won't mind me saying this, but my dad is a fairly shy person. I didn't, not say he didn't like people, but I think he'd been hurt by some people, and it just kind of, he made us, our little, our family a little shelter, and he's now obviously got saved, and he's like become a, like this post, very pastoral guy, and he loves people, and it's amazing, but it's just amazing what the grace of God can do. But growing up, it is very closed. Uh, my mom struggled with certain things in her life, just a, uh, ME, I think, and, um, and, and depression at times, and all that. So I grew up in this home, and it was a lovely home. I mean, my, my parents were amazing, and, but I know we, we all have issues. And I, I mean, I never had great aspirations for myself. I, I, I have to be honest with you, and it's only once I stepped into the local church that Jesus come and say, listen, Dan, I'm not going to let your past of who you are and of how you even think of yourself. Now, my parents thought great of me. Even now, they think I'm like I walk on water, which I've tried to prove that I haven't. So I'm not, I'm not being negative towards that. But I grew up with a low self-image through whatever circumstances in my past from my previous generations there's, there's, that, that, that happens and it's true. But I stepped into church and I started to believe that God has great things for me. And can I tell you that God has great things for you? You may have walked in this morning and you're you're a mess. And last night was a mess. And your life is a mess and you've messed up. But God has great purpose and plans for you. He He wants you to just come this morning so simply towards him and say, he says, follow me and says, cool, I'm gonna do it. The wording there, what happened with Peter and them is that, I think it says they dropped their nets. All right. They began to follow him. Jesus throughout scripture goes, Forget about your family. Forget about all these things. Follow me. And, and can I tell you, what I want to lead you in this morning is that if we learn to follow Jesus, there's fullness of life in him and him alone. Despite what you walk through, despite if you trust in God for something, despite all these things, Jesus is enough. Being with him is enough. We are changed from glory to glory. It starts with an invitation then moves on to an understanding of who he is. In um, November, we are doing a foundations course that's going to be over three, four weeks. I really encourage you, if you want to recap on your foundations or if you recently gave your life to Jesus or if you're just looking into faith, come and be involved in that. It's going to be every Tuesday night in November, and it's going to be amazing. Second thing, Jesus goes, I will make you. That's incredible. Not only does Jesus call us and give us a get out of hell free card. Okay, that's pers- personally that's probably the greatest thing. Is that number one? When I get to, when I when I die, I'm going to be with Him in glory. There's going to be my and the, the renewal of all things is going to going to be in a resurrected body and a new heaven and a new earth and it's going to be amazing. And I'm not going to be in hell with Satan. Okay, that's cool and it's that's incredible in itself. And if that is you this morning, you can respond to Jesus. But He comes and He says, "I will make you." He'll begin to change us. And that, if you've got a little subtitle, it's we become like Jesus. Now, the, there was a, in Acts 9, it says that they were persecuting the, the followers of the way. And the word, before there was Christianity, the name Christianity, before there was even the word Christians, which actually means little Christ, they used to call those who followed Jesus followers of the way. And I, I love that. It's not a way. It's the way. 
And they would be known in, in, even in Roman circles as, as followers of the way because they were so utterly convinced because Jesus died and he resurrected again. Five tons of people saw him after his death. Uh, they, they, they could attest that he was resurrected, that he defeated death. Uh, then you have Christians that have just followed that. And they were followers of the way of Jesus. And I believe that there's a way of Jesus that we need to follow in our daily lives that, that is transformational. To get to a, a gym illustration, which I'm still working on at the moment, and so is Johnny. I don't know if anyone follows him on Instagram, but uh, he's fantastic. Just go follow him. What is it, Jonathan Peterfield? Yeah, he's hating me right now. Um, you'll see all the exercises you need to do in life. And um, <laughs> anyway, sorry for those of you, I'm just, I'm just, I'm allowed to pick on the, the front drive. Known him for many years. Um, and there was the way, and for me, that is, that it's, it's this daily disciplines, it's this daily doing stuff that you start to see results. Now, I must be honest, I would love to go to gym once and see results, but it doesn't happen like that. I mean, like, for me, it's, it's, it takes a lot longer, and then, I, and I often go to style and say, do you see any difference? And she goes, they don't work your stomach at the gym, eh? <laughs> I, I walked out of the room, I didn't talk to her for at least 10 minutes. Because I'm seeing the parts that have been worked, you know. She's not seeing those. That's why wives are good and uh, husbands are good. No, husbands, you can never say that. Okay, let's just clarify. You can (laughs) never. Okay. Girls, you can go for it. There's no instant mix in Christianity. Uh, Who's ever seen those uh, instant uh, mashed potato? Smash. Oh, okay. Who thought of that? You, put, you throw it in a pot, you throw water, and then you stir it around. That is not mashed potato, okay? Mashed potato is when you cook the potatoes properly, they dry, you put them in, you put it through a mincer, you put lots, actually half-half, so that's butter and potatoes. That, that is mashed potato. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes elbow grease. And I, I think that's part, huh? And love, and lots of love. And um, if, Nushi makes great truffle mashed potatoes, actually. And, um, but you have, you have this... Um, Oh, why? I got into food and I got totally distracted. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of work to get the real deal. It takes a lot of work in our Christianity. And sometimes we think, and I understand the grace of God that, that we are saved by His finished work. That we carry on do anything because of the finished work of Christ. But there's daily things that I think if we don't put in our lives, we're going to have to start putting our armbands back on. And we're going to start sinking again if we don't have it. And uh, so it's simple stuff. Number one, scripture reading. I've said this before. Uh, I was listening to a sermon this week, and he grew up in a, a Bible-believing family, and his, his dad used to say, no Bible, no breakfast. And he's like, I'm not, I, I'm not that's probably a little bit legalistic. Snare loves that. Um, but for me, it's just the point of getting up in the morning, having a moment with Jesus, even if you don't feel like it. And it's those little things, it's like it's running those, that two kilometer when you didn't feel like it on a Thursday night, you've had a hard week. Those are the things, those moments that count, is where often when I feel like it the least, God speaks to me the most. Isn't that amazing? Scripture reading, prayer, spoken about it a lot. Taking a Sabbath, those workaholics amongst us. That is a, a thing that God put in place. God didn't need a rest, God celebrated the week that he had done, but he did it as a model for us to take time off. Switch your phone off. We live in, honestly, this thing, and I've got it in my back pocket, which I shouldn't, 
but it, it causes anxiety. It causes uh, unnecessary anxiety in our lives. I was on holiday in April, and I've shared the story before. I looked at an email, looked at a text. It sent me into a panic attack because I didn't switch this thing off. It's, it's incredibly important to have moments in your life where you're, you're getting back to nature, which is one of the points, get into nature. It's getting, weather's getting good. Go join Nikoli on, on the, uh, the adventure crew. They go hiking in the mountains. Just go spend time with Jesus. Just reflect Take a Sabbath. Emotional health is so key. I've learned this the hard way. I've learned what happens if you sprint for seven years. Your body's just going, no, no, no. Stahl and I, we, I, we, I went, we went to a doctor this week, a friend of ours, just to help us put good things in place. He's a Christian guy. He's a homeopath. And, and it's very kind of, don't think that's all weird and stuff. He's, he's just, uh, he's incredibly solid in the word. But he, he's helped us walk through some stuff that we needed to help with. We needed help with. Putting good disciplines in place. He's like, I have been exercising and so style, but he says, you have to do 20 minutes a day. You have to put that in place. You have eat lots of green vegetables. All these little things that we think, oh, they don't really matter. In the long run, if you want to run at a pace that we have been running at, number one, we have to learn to rest better and we have to put good disciplines in place. Ask people for advice. Practice the presence of God. Silence and solitude. Last night I lay on, uh, on, on my bed and I was just worshiping and just spent time with God and I just hit the, hit the e-note because you have to have a bit of atmosphere for the presence of God. And I was just like, and I just, I just sat in his presence for 10, 10, 15 minutes and that's all I, I needed in that moment. So I was like, my heart was going different places. I was thinking about today, but I learned to practice the presence. Attend church, which is great. You guys are all here, but attend midweek groups. I don't think you're going to get what you need on a, on, a, on a community level here. You're going to have quick, Stahl and I are going to have quick conversations with you. I just want you to settle that. Because we, there's, for, for us, a Friday meeting is, is in many ways a mission field. We're reaching people. There's new people. We, we're kind of going from here to there. And, uh, and maybe with some of the elders. But your, your main community time is going to happen during the week. So we have church in rows to steal from a guy called Todd Proctor. And we have church in circles. We have church around a stage, and we have church around a table. Both are equally important. You cannot have one without the other. If you come just to this, you're going you're gonna to walk in and out, not really get involved, not have community. Not, you're not going to be known or know people, which is key in being a follower of Jesus. But if you just go to that midweek thing, you're going to miss the vision of the bigness of what God is doing amongst us, some of, sometimes the times of encounter with Him. Um, Give and serve regularly. It puts yourself in position of sometimes just trusting God for greater things. I've spoken on giving a couple of weeks ago. Have fun moments of encountering God. I was prayed for two weeks ago by a guy who operates in the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I, was, I was filled again with his presence. I can count on my hand three or four times where it's happened in such a dramatic way. Can I tell you that that is incredibly important in our lives? You need that. The daily disciplines of waiting on God. I think the greater things happen in the daily, sometimes the mundane, and then you have little pockets of God encountering you. And if you want to be prayed for, please come and speak to us at the end. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you to be filled with the presence of God. If I was an enemy, if I was their enemy, and I would want to 
get you guys away from this. I'd make you as distracted as I possibly can. I would put everything in, in front of you before you get to the things that actually matter. And it's, I'm going to try to put this up on our website because I feel like we need to just go and look at it and read. And finally this, Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. Jesus called us to do what he did. So you've got three things. We be, we be with Jesus, we become like Jesus, then we begin to do what Jesus did. Uh, sorry, I want to add to the list about lifestyle. Go on mission trips. Go and uh, expose yourself to third world nations. Go and uh, serve and love those people there. So, fishers of men. God, God is wanting us to go on mission with our lives. We've all been given a, a set of influence, a, a place of influence that God has called us to influence. Not only that, he's called us to go preach the gospel. And ultimately, Jesus is wanting to see himself in every single person sitting here. And he sees you already, but he begins to cut away the things. If you submit to him, he takes away the things that are not of him so, he can see, so the world can see Christ more clearly in you and I. Just uh, again, I'm just going to list a few things. What has God called us to do? We're called to preach the gospel. Learn how to preach your story well. Stala was sitting this week with someone and uh, just through conversation was able to share what Jesus did for her. And it's a slow process, but we need to be always aware that there's people around us who don't know Jesus. And if we want to build a culture of evangelism in this church, it's, it's as simple as having a smile and being friendly. That's, that's, that's it. And people start to open up to you and eventually you can, I mean, I, I sometimes, I, I, in some conversations I leave out pastor, I say I, I run an events company just depending on who I'm talking to, but then there's some people I know I can talk to, I'm a pastor, and other people shut off, or they're immediately intrigued by the thing, but it, and either way, it gives, it gives a door in. Teaching. We're all called to teach in some form. You're going to teach your kids, you're going to teach those, you're going to serve, heal the sick, prophesying and operating in the gifts. That, that, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he assumes that those people are going to really be carrying something. He's talking to the whole church. He says, those with a tongue, those with prophecy, those with the word of knowledge, this, God has put gifts inside of you. And I pray over the next three weeks that Andy and I were talking this week is, is that, that these gifts just begin to be ignited inside of you so you can operate them within and without the body. Casting out demons. I'll leave that for another, another time. Praying, going on mission, having dinners with those far from God. These were the practices that Jesus had on a daily basis, sometimes on a monthly basis. But if you go read scripture, Jesus was always on the move. And my heart this morning is really that we, God has called us to be the, the Talmudin, the, the disciples of him, to be caught up in who he is. And it's not going to happen overnight. It took the disciples three years to, to finally start getting Jesus. So can we stand to our feet and let's pray together. Mario, do you want to just play a little bit? Thanks, man. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you change us, that you are moving us from glory to glory, that you, that you uh, are, are taking us into greater things. You, you're molding us to become like you. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that these three simple lines... Follow me and I will make you fishers of men is, is, is utterly profound for us as followers of Jesus. Followers of the way. A disciple of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that this, this would sink deeply into our hearts.
We cannot do this alone. Let's just keep our eyes closed. And I, I want to just invite the Holy Spirit. He is here. But sometimes we do it in faith just, just to say, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me again? Come fill my heart. I feel like what I've been doing has been largely out of duty and not out of grace. If you feel just with every, every eye closed, if, if this last season of your life has been a bit of a slug and it just feels like it's just complete, just gritting your teeth, just want to raise your hand because I feel like God wants to just pour out His grace again and pour out His presence on you. Just as you're acknowledging the Father is seeing that. So Father, I just pray over every hand that is raised. Everyone who wants more of you, Lord God, I, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you just come and pour out your Spirit. Lord God, let us learn to abide in the vine. Abide in you, Jesus. Never leave your side. Thank you, Jesus. And as I was speaking in the beginning, just with every eye closed, of those who feel that they may have been rejected, they're not good enough for God, they, uh, they feel like they're on the, the back of the list, they have the forgotten ones, and you've never given your life to Jesus, if that is you, I'd love to pray with you. Could you raise your hand quickly? So I want to follow Jesus today. Thank you, Father. Jesus, let us let us be caught in the dust of you, Father. That we are following you so close. That we are holding on to you so closely, Lord Jesus. Ultimately, you, you, you've call, you're calling us to bring transformation to this world to serve, to love, to be sacrificial, to give. Father, we thank you for your presence that is with us here. We thank you, Jesus, that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Father.